Most of us like to go to the movies, the special effects, the fascinating stories, the great actors, but Hollywood can be a very disturbing place. How do we evaluate what we see? What is the message in the movie? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with author, speaker, and Christian apologist, Dr. Pat Zuckerman. Today, Dr. Zuckerman takes a look at Hollywood worldviews. We think you'll find this a very interesting topic. And it's crucial resources like these that we offer at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat's articles, books, interviews with leading scholars, and past programs available for download on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, all at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. And now here's Pat with part two of Hollywood Worldviews. Yes, thanks, Kevin. Have with us once again from last week, Brian Godawa, a award-winning screenwriter and popular lecturer on film, faith, and philosophy. He's the author of the book of Word Pictures, Knowing God Through Story and Imagination, and a new book, well, an updated and expanded book that we're really excited about, Hollywood Worldviews, Watching Films, with wisdom and discernment. So, Brian, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, Brian, you talked about how Christians need to be discerning when watching movies and entertainment. How can Christians be discerning? Uh, recap that for us briefly. Sure. Um, you have to, uh, a couple things. You have to educate yourself. You have to um, know a little bit about worldviews and, and, and how they affect people. You want to get a book like... Um, well, Hollywood Worldviews will help you do that, but also a book like James Sire's The Universe Next Door, which gives a catalog of worldviews. Educate yourself on what they are and what they believe, and with education, you'll be able to spot it better in real life as well as watching it in, in movies. And then secondly, when you watch a movie, enjoy it, but ask yourself some questions. Watch for the hero. Watch... What is the hero's journey? What is he trying to accomplish? What's wrong with the way he sees the world? And how is he being forced to face that through his journey? And by the end of the story, what does the hero learn? How does he contrast with the way the villain looks at the world? Uh, the villain is the worldview that the storytellers don't want you to believe. But what the hero learns by the end of his story is what the storytellers want you to learn. And as we follow the journey of the hero, we learn with him that redemption. So be, you know, be aware of those things. Be aware of in the beginning what's wrong with the hero. Be aware of what does the hero learn at the end. And that's going to be your understanding of how the worldview is communicated. Because stories are about redemption. Redemption is about recovering what's lost. And when you go on a journey uh, and you have what we call the character arc, most movies start with the hero having uh, something wrong about the way he sees the world, and by the end of the story, he learns and grows and, and changes because he realizes what's missing in his life. So look for that, and, and that will help you to uh, understand the message, but also give you a better appreciation of the movie as well. Right. You know, movies, uh, media, music, you know, there are forces that uh, we cannot ignore. They're a powerful influence in our culture, and amongst young people and adults, and it's, it's not something that we can just abstain from or ignore. As Christians, we need to get involved in the conversation and bring a message that is culturally relevant, addressing the ideas that are presented in these movies, because they're such a powerful, uh, influential force in our society. Yes, and, and you know what? It, it's not just that they're powerful influence, it's that storytelling throughout history 
has been the, uh, the, the, one of the most powerful influences, in fact, so much so that God himself gave us his theology, his truth, his revelation through what? Story. So um, to, to be engaged in story is to be engaged in the most, you know, one of the most important aspects of our human existence, really. Right. You know, Brian, one of the points you make is that movies can also tell us where the culture is at. I mean, what ideas dominate the thinking of the people around us. And uh, you mentioned some prominent ideologies that are mentioned in movies right now. What are some of them that are popping up right now? Well, well, for instance, I think you know, we live in a postmodern culture, and in a postmodern culture we have a relativization of morality and evil. Uh, you've heard, and so, so we, we hear this from the, from the current administration, uh, po- political administration in the White House, we hear this aspect of um, you know comparing America with other countries, and we're just as bad as other countries, and that's called the moral equivalency. Okay, oh, okay. Um, you know what we see going on in our culture today is evident in, in, in every aspect of it's called moral equivalency. So we'll discredit America as being just as bad as every other nation. You know, the, uh, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. We can't call anything evil. We can't call other cultures, Islamic cultures, evil because we've done atrocities, this kind of a thing. And um, so, of course, there's some truth to every lie, so there's some truth to that. But the reality is, it's moral relativism. It's ultimately saying, you can't say anything's evil. So, how that shows up in movies is like the current movie, Public Enemies. movie about John Dillinger starring Johnny Depp. And the whole essence of the movie is... It's a movie that makes Johnny Depp, of course, he's a you know, great actor and he's a lovable guy. They make him a lovable, Robin Hood-type good guy, and the movie makes the FBI look bad and look cr- evil and cruel and, you know, the, the things that a criminal should be. So there you have a movie of moral equivalency that's trying to say the, the real public enemies is the government and is the law which is anti-authority, which is very common in our culture, right? So it makes the criminals look like good guys and it makes the, the uh, law look like bad guys. And the movie's title is Public Enemies. It's a story about John Dillinger, but it's plural, public enemies. You'd think it would be public enemy, right? No, because they're saying the real public enemies are the FBI, not this one man, right? So that might be an example. You know, I, you've got, I think uh, you mentioned another one. I think it's Apocalypto. Yeah, okay, well, Apocalypto is, is a very um, a powerful story made by Mel Gibson, who is a Roman Catholic in his, in his faith. And in Apocalypto, that's a very subversive story. You can get that on DVD, and it's basically the story of a, um, a guy who's trying to escape from slavery and save his family. Uh, and, and it takes place in you know, South America during the time of the... Um, not the Aztecs, but the... Uh, the Mayas? The Mayans. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what that story is, it's just a chase story. It's a chase story that's exciting. Will he get away from the bad guys? Are they going to kill him and sacrifice him to the gods? But in the course of that story, it's showing you that paganism is an inherently evil system based on sacrificing innocent children to gods. And it shows you the lie of the noble savage that in this, you know, the, this lie that, oh, the indigenous American natives 
we're peace-loving people in harmony with nature. We get that lie all the time through our culture right now. Well, that movie exposes that lie and shows no. Uh, you know, the, the Mer- Native Americans were not any more uh, peaceful. They're just as violent, in fact, more so in their pagan religion. And then by the end of the story, we see the arrival of, you know, the Spanish conquistadors, which, you know, sort of show that Christianity will come and change that. And, of course, through the arrival of Christianity in the Americas, we did get rid of a lot of the pagan evil that was, that was coming out. Now, Christianity wasn't perfect and had faults, too, you know, the way we lived it. But that's a movie that embodies that sort of uh, Christian view of paganism as being destructive. Well, those are some great examples there. What are some other prominent worldviews or ideologies that are out there uh, in our culture today that are being expressed in these movies? Well, um, oh boy, let's see. What are some movies that are out? Uh, okay, another movie I've seen recently. Uh, and, you know, I, I like to give positive examples mm-hmm. as much as negative. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, the, the Proposal, which is a, a romantic comedy with Sandra Bullock and, and Ryan... Um, Ryan uh, something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, anyway, it's a love story. It's a romantic comedy about... The, uh, Sandra Bullock is this tyrannical editor who's really cruel and hard, and she's very controlling and, and overly bearing on all, all the people she works with. And turns out she's going to have to get... Uh, she's a Canadian, and she's going to actually get... Um, uh, uh, deported back to Canada because of some f- trick that happens. So she she basically tries to pretend that she's going to get married to her her uh, assistant, who she's very abusive toward, Ryan Reynolds. And so the joke is, is they're pretending they're going to get married, but then they get, you know, it becomes a legal problem, and, it, and it's a it's a comedy of errors. And but in the course of that story, it shows the contrast of the feminist view of women being powerful and men being emasculated uh, and but it sort of subverts that that genre of understanding and shows that you know this woman is not going to find love until she learns to submit and learns to give up her power in love to a man and the man has to be a strong man and has to lead and so which is very unusual for our society right because our society is very egalitarian and feministic and tends to emasculate men, uh, but in this movie it sort of brings back a traditional view of marriage, but it starts out through the feminist view and ends up subverting that by the end of the story. So that's, that's an example of, I would say, you know, a traditional view, worldview of, of love and, and romance subverting the modern view. Hmm. How about the worldview of pantheism? Don't we see that quite prominent in movies today here in the West? Yeah, yeah, it does show up. Um, it shows up in movies. Um, right now, I can't think necessarily of anything. Yeah, I can only think of Star Wars. Mm. Yeah, there's Star Wars. Of course, uh, well, oh, a perfect example of that might be um, Pan's Labyrinth, which was a, actually, it was, it won, I think it won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film a couple years ago. Pan's Labyrinth was a story of, this little girl who is in a, an abusive household in the mid, in Spain in the midst of Franco's fight against the communists or something, and she's abused, and so she creates a fantasy world that she escapes to, and this fantasy world uses very pagan imagery, and um, and there are pagan characters and creatures in it, 
And it has that pantheistic notion of atonement, where by the end of the story, the blood of her sacrifice sort of saves herself and saves other people. And so it has an atonement, but it's more pagan. It has a notion of the spiritual world, but it's more pagan. It's a little bit more pantheistic. I'm not... I wouldn't necessarily say that that's always wrong, though, because let us not forget that the Chronicles of Narnia used pagan uh, deities, right? So, But they were subverted and used in submission to an ultimately Christian worldview. So you gotta, you got to see what the trick is being, you know, happening there. But pantheism in general sort of believes that, you know, the universe is, as a totality, is the expression of God and... And so it, they'll they'll tend to be movies that will, you know, you know, be pantheistic in that sense. I guess you know you you might be able to argue uh, Harry Potter and the and the view of magic in the Harry Potter movies might be a little bit more pantheistic. Uh, I, I don't know. I I don't tend to watch them because I I I think they're bad movies. <laughs> I mean, just poorly made. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned Christianity and faith. How are they typically portrayed in the Hollywood movies? Well, I think that we're all very familiar with the negative uh, stereotypes and bigoted um, cliches that Christians are usually... You know, Christians are usually the uptight moralist who is either the serial killer or is secretly living an immoral double life, you know. And they're usually mocked, they're usually made to be the villain, this kind of thing. Or sometimes they're just shown to be an unlivable system. Like in today's television shows, you know, if a Christian character shows up, they're usually goofy. Um, like uh, this, this series, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, the Christian girl, you know, is, you know, saying all the words of, you know, Christians and, and, and I'm going to try to save myself till marriage and all this kind of stuff. And she sounds sort of unrealistic. You know, they make her look unrealistic. You can't live this way. It's not real. And then, of course, in the, in the course of the TV series, she ultimately ends up falling and having sex. So it shows, oh, see, this, this is, you can't live this way. This is unlivable. So that's how they do it. That's how they portray it. But Christians are not always portrayed that way. And there are, there are plenty of movies that have come out that have a more positive view. For example, we have the movie... Um, you know, well, there's been several movies, of course, Amazing Grace, which was the story of William Wilberforce, who, who got rid of, you know, slavery in England, and he was a Christian. That was positive. We have a movie with Sandra Bullock, another Sandra Bullock movie, Premonition, which is a, a very positive view of Christianity in that story of providential, God's providential control in life versus chance. Uh, the movie Rocky Balboa, you know, we see Rocky, um, you know, going into his fight, and he prays to God, and he has a very positive view about God in his life, and he's not, he's not an idiot, obviously. Um, you know, you have the, the independent movie, Henry Poole. Henry Poole was here. That shows a positive aspect to faith that, um, you know, is good. And, and, and so you have these stories where people do discover faith sometimes in Hollywood movies in a positive way, or like the movie I mentioned before, um, Knowing, starring Nicolas Cage. And that's a movie recently out in, um, on DVD, and that's a story about a guy who doesn't believe in God, but by facing the end of the world based on a solar flare that's going to destroy the Earth, he ends up facing the meaning of life and becomes a believer uh, in God. 
and and Christians. It's, it's, it's a Christian God that he comes to believe in by the end of the movie. So there you do have a positive view of Christianity. So there's, there's, a, there's a few of those, um, but mostly Christians are not portrayed positively in movies. I see. Well, let's do something fun here, which I'm sure uh, uh, audiences all over the world ask you uh, when, when you go and speak. But let's examine a few of the big movies here and show us how the, you know, tell us what the worldview is and how it affects the story and the message of the movie. Maybe some of the prominent, what we hope will be uh, classics here I'm picking here. Uh, Lord of the Rings. How would you evaluate that? Well, uh, of course, we know Lord of the Rings comes from uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's novels, which he was a Christian, and, and that's obviously a Christian worldview. Now, that uses magic and the occult, doesn't it? But it shows, it, it becomes a metaphor for the deeper truth of God, and that's, that's clearly a universe of good and evil that, that sort of compares the, you know, uh, um, a more Christian view of that battle between good and evil that involves Christian values and such. But it's in a very fantasy context, so it's, a, it's more generic. But nonetheless, it's, it's there, and that's in it. What are some good themes that come out of Lord of the Rings? Well, we know the Lord of the Rings, um, uh, you know, one of the classic ones is friendship, and friendship is through sacrifice. And, uh, you know, as we see Frodo's relationship with Samwise Gamgee and that journey together, we see that the most humblest person of all, Sam, is actually the one who sort of saves Frodo, who has, who's, he's the one who's supposed to, you know, bring the ring into Mount Doom, but he's not the one who's able to carry it all the way. Sam actually helps him, and, and Sam is the humblest of all, but God uses the humble to make, to, you know, despise the proud, right? So he uses a humble hobbit to do the work, the, his good work, because he could not get greater men to do it. That's a very Christian value, I think, that's very strong, and it's rooted in the Bible, you know, about God using the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, how about this movie, which happens to be one of my favorites, uh, Gladiator with Russell Crowe? Well, Gladiator would be a pagan worldview. Uh, the writer who wrote it deliberately said he wanted to use the typical Gladiator movies of the past that normally had a Christian view, and he said he wanted to do the opposite, make it a pagan worldview. And um, so, in other words, it follows the journey of a, a, pay, a man who, um, you know, is a, um, who's a general who becomes who becomes betrayed, and he ends up becoming a slave, and then a gladiator, and then he, he ends up getting revenge on the king, on the, on, on the, the, uh, the, the Caesar that, that he hates, that ends up um, you know, destroying his life. He gets revenge on him. So it's a revenge story, and the revenge is a comp, which isn't a good value, but uh, he basically ends up getting a revenge, and he, throughout that story, he is led by a pagan view of his worshiping his ancestors and his family, and it shows him ultimately achieving his revenge and ending up in the Elysian fields of his pagan belief system with his family. And uh, so that one's a more, not just pagan, I think it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's pagan in a general sense too, because it doesn't show Christianity as being a part of that reality. Yeah, now some people watching that can say, what good? Was there any good that we can learn from a movie like this? What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, that's, that, I think that's a good challenge. It's, it, it's a good challenge, because I think that, that um, uh, 
the good that I might find from a movie like Gladiator, um, you know, it's based on it's based on history, but it's not you know entirely accurate. So you know, we've got to be careful about that. Um, but yeah, you know, we have to ask our question. You know, is is that a, is that a journey worth going on? And I think that that you know some aspects that one might get out of that is is this: we live in a secular postmodern culture that tends to negate the supernatural altogether. So I think that a mo- one good positive aspect of that is that it's, it's a movie that affirms spirituality, affirms the supernatural world, affirms life beyond death. These are all things that we as Christians agree with, right? Mm-hmm. And that affirmation may be towards a pagan view, but it's good in that it subverts the secular anti-supernatural view of humanism that's in our culture. And I, I, you know, to to a certain degree, I think that that's positive. Another aspect of the movie Gladiator, I think, is, you know, it deals with systems of, or uh, not systems, it deals with values like, uh, you know, honor of your family, love of family, courage. Um, It deals with revenge. Like I said, I think it probably deals with it negatively, though. Um, You know, forgiveness, things like that. It, It deals with those issues and values, sometimes in a good way. Yeah. Well, here's a third one, and this will be at the final one. We'll let you critique here. And for the women who listen to us, uh, we need to pick a romance film here. What about one of the more popular romance films, like uh, a Julia Roberts film? Uh, one uh, maybe the most popular is Pretty Woman. How would you critique that one? Boy, that's an old one. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely an older movie. Uh, well, that's a movie that uh, is about story about. A, it's basically. Uh, Pygmalion or My Fair Lady put in a new context, story of a rich business guy who uh, has an evening with a prostitute, but he sees value in her, and his love for her ultimately transforms her out of her poor, you know, situation and exploited situation of a prostitute, and shows the value in her and she rises above her prostitution and, you know, starts to live in the world apart from that. So she repents from her world of prostitution based on being loved by a man. Now that might be somewhat of a humanistic form of redemption, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the love of another human being is what saves us, right? Uh, But there doesn't mean that there's no truth to that. Uh, It may not save you from your sins and it may not bring you to heaven, but uh, the love of another person can actually bring us out of our, uh, you know, out of a pit in our life. But it also just shows the notion of if you pull back and just say the notion of being loved um, can actually transform a soul trapped in sin or misery and can, can pull them out. And, and, and it also says that we're all created in the image of God and there's beauty in each of us. And so the ability to draw that beauty out is, is there and is possible. I think those are all good elements and aspects that a Christian could agree with, though the overall worldview might be humanistic. Right. You know, Brian, you know, as we close, uh, you mentioned that Christians cannot be out of the uh, entertainment arena. How can we as Christians have a positive impact on Hollywood and the entertainment world? Well, two things. One is we've got to stop looking at Hollywood as Sodom and Gomorrah to flee from, and we have to start looking at Hollywood as a mission field of unreached peoples. And Christians need to get the inspired to get into Hollywood and, and to make movies and to bring their worldview to their stories and to influence people. And the more Christians are in Hollywood, the more our influence grows. Um, and that's already been happening over the last 
10, 15 years that I've seen it in my life. Um, and secondly, you know, we have to, um, we have to engage the culture by, by watching this movie, by, by watching movies and watching television and interacting with the people around us by bringing our interpretations in a positive way to people uh, so that we're, you know, we're interacting with it and, and having, you know, having influence on people rather than separating ourselves and saying, well, that's all evil, I don't want to deal with it. And then we don't understand the language of the people we live around. We don't understand who they are. We don't understand how they think. We don't know how to relate to them. And, but if we, if we engage the culture, if we observe some of these movies and television and music and such, I think that we can have a better influence on our culture around us. Fantastic. Our guest has been Brian Godowa. He's an award-winning screenwriter and popular lecturer on film, faith, and philosophy. Updated and expanded a great book here, which we are endorsing Hollywood Worldviews, watching films with wisdom and discernment. And if you missed any part of this interview or want to hear it again, uh, it'll be on at evidenceandanswers.org. So, Brian, fantastic book, fantastic work you're doing. Thanks for being on the show with us. Thank you so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. It's our hope to keep a quality program on the air and on the web that presents an intelligent response to the issues of our day and demonstrates the truth of the claims of Christ. If you agree, please support us with your prayers and gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing our resources available at evidenceandanswers.org. You'll educate yourself and your family, and you'll help us keep expanding. You can download past shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, read Pat's articles, and purchase Pat's new book with Dr. Norman Geisler, The Apologetics of Jesus, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Go there today. I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers.